Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Our passage today comes from Matthew 18, 15 to 20. And uh, listen carefully for what God is saying to you. If your brother or sister sins against you, go and correct them when you are alone together. If they listen to you, then you've won over your brother or sister. But if they won't listen, take with you one or two others so that every word may be established by the mouth of two or three witnesses. But if they still won't pay attention, report it to the church. If they won't pay attention even to the church, treat them as you would a Gentile and tax collector. I assure you that whatever you fasten on earth will be fastened in heaven, and whatever you loosen on earth will be loosened in heaven. Again, I assure you that if two of you agree on earth about anything you ask, then my Father who is in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there with them. May God add a blessing to the hearing and understanding of the scripture. Thank you, Marty. Marty uh, was part of our community at Hyde Park Woodland um, shortly after we launched and uh, took some time away and returned. And um, it's one of the things that I really love about Urban Village is that we have a lot of diaspora and sometimes um, there's a boomerang effect. Uh, and so it's great when we can uh, welcome old new friends. So thank you for being part of this community, Marty, and for your story. Um, I also bring greetings from Ian Schroeder, uh, uh, whose personal pronoun, our preferred pronoun is they. Uh, they just got out of um, brain surgery uh, last, uh, this past week. I um, uh, visited them in the hospital and um, they are recovering um, and entering treatment for tumors in their brain. And so they asked me to share this with uh, the community. Um, uh, Ian has worshiped with us regularly from time to time. and. Um, they're in a, in a scary place, right? Um, but their spirits are high and they just ask that we um, uh, lift them up um, and, as well as uh, their uh, fiance Patrice and um, mother Paula as well in prayer as they recover and, and get treatment. Let us pray together. God, we thank you that, um, that the people who are gathered here in this space are not all of who we are, but that we are part of a, a larger community, not just um, with uh, UVC Hyde Park Woodlawn or Urban Village Church as a whole, but um, your entire body in all of the ways um, that it expresses itself and takes shape um, across space and time. We thank you that we are connected in this mysterious um, and deep and ancient way, um, and that even um, across space and time, you meet us here in this space on this Sunday um, in this community 
We ask that you would uh, flow freely throughout uh, our hearts and minds, um, that you would bring us new insight into not only who you are, but who we are in you as we hear your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So um, I don't really talk about this, uh, but I really hate having a lot of unread uh, emails in my inbox. And I'm sort of like oddly obsessive about it. Um, and you wouldn't really actually think so because I have 450 unread emails in my inbox. But most of those are from like years and years ago that I just haven't kind of gone through and um, cleaned out. So anyhow, I generally try to make a, sure I do a good job of of trashing, filing, responding to emails, that kind of thing, um, and that things don't sit there for too long, because it bugs me. And so because of this, I'm a little bit of a Nazi when it comes to like unsubscribing from stuff. I, that's like my default. I will unsubscribe from something. And so it's an even rarer situation that I would actually subscribe to something. Um, and uh, not too long ago, I started subscribing to this blog um, written by a guy named Seth Godin, a kind of a marketing guru. And I've read some of his, his writings, and I, I really liked them, and I found them to be solid. So I thought, you know, he had a blog, I'll subscribe to it, and um, so far I have yet to be annoyed with any of his entries. Well, this past week I got one that was kind of interesting. Um, he talks about give up goals and go up goals. And generally, he says, you will benefit by sharing your give up goals with your friends. Things like, I want to give up drinking. I want to give up binge watching television shows. I want to give up eating ice cream at 10 o'clock at night. And your friends will usually give you, you know, help, help you like keep your give up goals, right? But on the other hand, he says, conventional wisdom says that um, you shouldn't talk about your go up goals. That's how he talks about them. Those aspirational goals you might have, a promotion, winning a competition, wanting to be prom king or prom queen, um, conventional wisdom says that uh, if you share your go-up goals, people might become jealous or resentful and kind of like not really want to support you. But here's the thing, he said, if that's your situation, you need better friends. A common trait, he says, among successful people is that they have friends who expect them to go up. Do you have friends in your life who expect you to go up? Do you have uh, people who are looking for your best, for you to be your best, really? In other words, another way to put it is, do you have squad goals? Yeah. And I just learned about this phrase. Apparently, I'm behind the curve. But I just learned about this phrase, so I'm really excited about it. You're going to hear it a lot in the sermon. Um, so squad goals is an inspirational term uh, for what you'd like your group of friends to be or accomplish. So, for example... Me and my friends, this might actually be Lena, me and my friends uh, are hoping to get a photo with each of the characters from Game of Thrones at the C2E2 conference next week. Squad goals. Right? Side note, using this phrase doesn't mean your squad is actually cool, it just means it has goals. Um, <laughs> so in a lot of ways, squad goals is what our scripture is about today, though. This is um, a passage, for better or worse, that gives uh, church leaders a lot of power and authority to decide what it means to be Christian. And uh, maybe you've heard, had some folks in your life who have been burned, actually, by people who are um, like that. They get to decide who's in and who's out. And the center of that, power, uh, of that power comes in at verse 18. So I assure you, whatever you fasten on earth will be fastened in heaven, and whatever you loosen on earth will be loosened in heaven. And this word that's translated, uh, these two words that are translated as fasten and loosen, they show up in both um, Jewish rabbinical writings and Christian writings, um, when it comes to things like uh, doctrine, dis determining doctrine. In other words, when we're talking about fastening and loosening, 
we are talking about the shape of the Christian life as it is lived in community, what's appropriate, or who we be and how we do. So who are we? Who, we, who be we, right? Um, I've recently had a couple of com- uh, conversations with folks uh, about baptism. And I love having these conversations because they're an opportunity for me to be reminded of who be we, right? Of our core commitments that bind us together as Christians. So when someone is baptized, they're asked three questions. You might have heard this. The first one is, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject uh, the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? The second one is, do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they may present themselves? And then finally, do you confess Jesus as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to seek and serve him in every, each and every human being in union with the church, which Christ has opened up to all people of all nations and races. So they, we ask these three questions when we baptize people, and then, we, and then I baptize them. But that's not the end of it, right? Because baptism isn't just about one person accepting God's invitation of love. It's also about one person joining a community of other people who have accepted God's invitation and love. And they're also trying to figure out what that means, what that looks like in their lives. And so after these questions, the three questions, I turn to the community and then I ask the community some questions. The first one is, do you as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? And then the second one is, will you partner with and nurture this person who's just been baptized in the Christian faith and life, being a sister or brother in faith? Will you be the church for this person? Help them figure out what this thing is about, right, together. And we ask these questions because Christians don't do faith alone. Marty kind of talked about this in his, um, his testimony. We do faith together. We can't do this alone. We commit to one another, and we share Christ's love with each other, and then we challenge each other to grow into our fullest selves. In other words, squad goals. This is where part two comes in, how we do. Every Sunday morning, you heard uh, Aaron say this. Uh, we say something like, here at Urban Village, we seek to be bold, inclusive, and relevant. And, and then we try to unpack that a little bit more. We're a community boldly rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ, which tears down walls and builds up life. Um, a gospel that calls us to be people we couldn't imagine ourselves being. Um, working toward inclusion, engaging in real, authentic relationships with people we never thought we could or would be in relationship Um, And these ways of being are not exclusive to Sunday morning or even um, just to other Christians, but for every day of the week, every aspect of our lives, which means our faith has to be relevant to the world that we live in. So at Urban Village, this is what our take on what a baptized community looks like. That's that's our understanding of, of those three, how we live out those three questions. And it sounds great, right? Everyone loves this idea. Bold, inclusive, relevant. Yeah, that's the kind of church that I want to be part of. But here's the thing. Being bold, inclusive, and relevant, taking that seriously and really trying to live that out, we're going you know, a few layers further down, um, trying to live that out as a community, it's not always easy. It requires commitment. It requires courage. It requires Christ-centeredness because we all enjoy alliteration. Uh, so three Cs. Uh, so earlier this week, I met with uh, the Urban Village Hyde Park Woodlawn Vision Team, and this team comes from a, a cross-section of this community, kind of tried to um, pick lots of different people who came from different spaces, um, and they're folks, but all of them share this, this same trait. They're folks who have shown commitment um, to shaping and enhancing what God is doing here, 
And a major task of this team um, is to take our all UBC ministry map, which we talked about last May. I'm sure you all remember exactly all of the sermons that came from that sermon series. Um, our, our ministry map, which is our roadmap of how we want to create Jesus-loving, inclusive communities that ignite the city, um, and think about how we might authentically embody that here at High Park Woodlawn. In other words, these are people who want to help us reach our UBC squad goals in an HP dub kind of way. At this meeting, folks were sharing some of their findings on, what, uh, on how we were doing around things like deepening community um, and being an inclusive church. And there were some really good ideas that people shared. Things like, since folks from a, from a variety of church backgrounds, we should be more intentional about explaining why we do some of the things that we do in worship. We do that in some ways and we don't do it in other ways. So that was like really helpful. Um, but there were also some really hard realities that we had to discuss, right? Things like how more folks need to step up and shoulder, help shoulder the load of creating this community, whether it's food, hospitality, or greeting, or outreach, or children's ministry. And if you're not involved um, in helping us be who we are in any of these ways or other ways, come talk to me. Let's discuss how you might be more deeply committed. So uh, we'll plug there. So it was a late meeting. And it was at the end of the, a long day for many people on the team. It started at 8, um, including me. So, but for all of the tiredness, um, folks came, and they brought their bodies and their thoughts and ideas. And I have to say that I was grateful, not just because I had a team of amazing people to call partners, but because as I looked around the table, each face, I could think of at least, at least one story of how their time at UBC has brought them life. I was grateful for them and to God for their commitment to helping multiply that experience, those experiences for other people in this community as well, to help us be the best of who we could be. But Christian community doesn't only take commitment, it also takes courage. So our passage today talks about a small group of people, uh, squaggles people, who are gathered to do the work of discernment in particular. People like our vision team, like you and me, anyone else who has made baptismal vows, right? And so in this morning's passage, a small handful of these people are gathered to do something that most people actually don't like doing. They're gathered to discern and confront someone who is actively harming the community. And so let's say this community is like UBC. Hey, man, we're inclusive. Come hang out with us, right? So then at what point does, say, inclusivity become harmful to the community, right? This is a question that some people ask me here. At what point do you call someone out and say, we have to draw the line here. We cannot, we do not tolerate this kind of behavior. Well, one of my go-to passages around this comes from 1 Corinthians 10. I always go back to this one. Everything is permitted, but everything is not beneficial. Everything is permitted, but everything doesn't build others up. No one should look out for their own advantage, but they should look out for each other. To me, this is the line. Is it beneficial for the community? Is it helping out someone else besides me? This is a good rule of thumb when it comes to community building discernment. And when you discern, yeah, this is not working. It is not beneficial and it is not helping people out. This is where courage comes in, right? Most people don't want to confront someone and tell them that they are out of line. In fact, most people would rather, would rather stop coming to church then call someone out for their harmful behavior. Has anyone seen this happen? It happens all the time. But guess what? Being a Christian means doing the committed and courageous work of holding people accountable to their baptismal promises. 
So if you walk away without saying anything, you're just as wrong as the person who you're choosing not to confront. Think about that. It doesn't mean picking a fight, right? But it does mean saying, hey, I stand for something. We stand for something in this community. So a few months ago, I actually had to have a conversation like this with someone who was really involved with Urban Village. This person had contributed to UVC in some key ways. They were a little rough around the edges, but they were as welcome as anyone else in the community. But at one point, though, they interacted with someone in such a way that their words were not only harmful, but they actually made someone feel humiliated. And they experienced the words as, um, as a, an experience of racism. And so I had a conversation with this person. Even though they didn't think they were being, being racist, I was trying to explain it was harmful to the witness of our community. And as I talked with this person, I made it very clear that we wanted them to be part of the community, but they had to, even though they didn't think they were in the wrong, they still had harmed the other person. And so they needed to apologize. They needed to encounter that person um, with humility and with love. And I'm sorry to say that this person has not returned to Urban Village. I hope, I really hope that one day this person will come back. And if they do, they'll still need to apologize. Not because I need it, the apology isn't for me, right? But because of our squad goals. We do not tolerate harmful, actively harmful behavior with one another. Because if we did, I mean, we see this play out in big church systems, right? Sexual abuse, other kinds of manipulation, emotional abuse, right? If we didn't call that kind of behavior out, what kind of Christian community are we? What kind of Jesus do we follow, right? Christian community takes courage to call out others and, sounds good to, to be on that side of it, right? And to be, allow ourselves to be called out. Right? Outcasts put it best, right? We don't like to think our stuff don't stink, right? But, well, a Christian, being a Christian means having the courage to lean in a little and see what those roses really smell like, if you know what I mean. The courage to call out and be called out. So finally, being a committed, courageous community also means being Christ-centered, right? This isn't about you or it's not about me. It's about, it's about this bigger thing, right? It's about Jesus. It's about God's work through us and in us. It's about how are we reflecting the core values of the gospel. And this is where prayer comes in. So some of you may have noticed uh, and been frustrated by the fact that the Bible doesn't break down every little thing in our lives and tell us exactly what to do. It doesn't talk about texting while driving. Uh, it's, and it doesn't talk about whether or not it's okay to be on Tinder or Grindr or Scruff, which I just recently learned about, or whatever other kind of like get-together app there is, right? The gospel isn't about micromanagement. It's about how do we seek fullness and wholeness of life for all? How do we, the community of Christ, live that out? And, you know, we don't have a list of, of do's and don'ts, but we do have a story that continually points us, continually paints a picture of reconciliation and restoration. And so we come together in prayer and discernment, seeking with our guide, right, being reconciliation and restoration, all within this framework of our baptismal squad goals. 
So when the author of Matthew talks about this situation that's happening in the church, if the person doesn't uh, get it or refuses to change, treat them as you would a Gentile and tax collector. And, you know, like at first glance, you might not, not catch it, but this is actually kind of a low-key twist um, that Matthew is doing. Because if you're familiar with Jesus, you'll know that he actually hung out with a lot of tax collectors and even some Gentiles, right? So it's sort of like, wait, what? What do you mean by that? Well, Matthew isn't saying that you should just completely drop someone who isn't getting information, right? But he is saying that this person just doesn't get it, right? They don't get it. They don't embrace the values of our community. So here's what you do. You treat them like a tax collector or a Gentile. You keep reaching out, offering love and grace, trying to be in community with that person, but recognizing that they are actually not part of the community yet, okay? So when we come together in prayer like this, right, not only um, are, you know, do, do we gain greater clarity, but we actually, in that process of discernment, of coming together, we're, we're changed. We grow in our commitment. We grow in our courage. We grow in our Christ-centeredness, especially in circumstances that are difficult or confusing or even scary. When we pray together, we are changed. And in that kind of weird, um, strange, amazing, mysterious God math, not only are we changed, right? Not only are we made whole, but the world around us gets a little closer to whole as well. As we live into our squad goals, demanding more and more from one another, more commitment, more courage, more Christ-centeredness, we begin to impact the world around us. It affects the world around us. And the realities even beyond us, the realms beyond us, right? It talks of, the scripture talks about whatever um, is loosened or fastened on earth is loosened or fastened in heaven. There is something that is happening, not just here, but in those spaces that are not concrete, right? In the spiritual world, whatever that looks like. We bear witness to a gospel that demands wholeness of life for all and will not accept anything less than that. We have standards. We have squad goals that we are living up to. Why? Because this is who we are, and this is how we do. Let us pray. God, we thank you that um, you demand something from us, that you expect something from us, that you actually see that there is something greater than what we are right now that we can live up to, live into, and that you hold us accountable to that, that you created this community to hold each other accountable in love, in hope, in vision, because we uh, have these go-up goals and that we are uh, engaging in them together. We thank you for this squad and for our goals and for this life together as we try to figure out how to live into those squad goals as well. We pray this with gratitude, with hope, with trust in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.